0: welcome to a living my youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Scotty Morris, lead singer of the band Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. We all remember them from the movie Swingers back in the mid-90s. They launched their career, kind of revived the whole swing era. Scotty talks about getting discovered by John Favreau, the star of the movie, and the, the writer, as well as coming up with the name of the band, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. It's a great story. 20 years ago, the band performed the Super Bowl halftime show with you wonder, he tells a great story about how that came full circle from his youth up to that point. I recorded this before this year's Super Bowl, so I didn't get a chance to get his opinion on this year's absolute terrible halftime show. I'm not sure which one was worse, the game or the halftime show. We talked well, cartoons, we talked Star Wars, he was a super nice guy, and they're still out there, they're still performing, they're still recording music, they just released a new album called Louie Louie Louie. Scotty's a super nice guy, and I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with me. And helping me relive my youth today is Scotty Morris. Scotty, how are you today? I'm well, yourself? I'm, uh, you know, trying to stay warm. Um, you know, not not everyone can be in California, but we're, uh, we're trying to stay warm here (laughs) in the Northeast. I hear you, man. Yeah, but, um, yeah, a big fan of you guys for, you know, for a long time now, but, uh, Growing up, who were some like your musical influences?
1: Well, I mean, I had so many because I I loved music as a little kid. That was the one, that was the one great thing in my life. Like you know, I, I loved playing sports and I grew up on the beach surfing, but music really was my favorite thing. And it started with cartoons, and then you know, obviously, I I mean, just growing up in my in my general my. In my genre of music that I liked, Stevie Wonder was, you know, on on popular radio, Stevie Wonder was by far
2: the most interesting thing because songs of the key of life came out when I was a little kid. And
1: I just remember that being in the background and thinking to myself, like, that's how music is supposed to feel. Like when I hear Stevie Wonder's music, I want to feel something. And then as I got older, I started playing jazz when I was in junior high. I started playing jazz Um, and then and then finding out that, you know, you're not really going to you're not going to meet that many girls playing jazz trumpet as you are playing in a in a punk rock band which it just started to, to get popular so I, I
2: started getting into punk rock just due to the fact that it was it was my age group it was my you know it was my
1: my generation so i i kind of went for that so it's been a lot
0: yeah and i and imagine like probably you know late 70s early 80s so punk was big and everything like that so you know, getting the girls obviously was was key back then, right? <laughs> it is key, man. And, and it's funny because
1: with music, music always made me
0: feel something. You know that ever since it I should, was really yeah. little, I could hear something. And when something was really good,
1: I could really um, it made me feel something. Like I, I other than you know, I mean, it, it was the one strong thing. And I'll never forget um, "Pump It Up." Elvis Costello was oh, on yeah. those late night, one of those late night shows, and I remember. Elvis Costello and, and he
2: came with that song and the ferociousness of that band, um, it actually scared me. Like that,
0: that sound, <laughs>
1: right. that sound scared me. Like inside, because I was pretty young. I think I was like sixth or seventh grade, and you know, and up to that point, like the most risky thing I think I'd ever listened to was probably "Kiss Alive One." You know, <laughs> yeah. so so Elvis Costello was actually really frightening to me, and it, it really it interested me into to, like delving into what's
0: going on out there. Right, and like your your, your music kind of, I mean, the swing is great, you know, jazz style, but it also has a little bit of a punkish feel as well. I
1: mean, I think the urgency that is there, I think the do-it-yourself thing is there, and I think, you know, strong and wrong early on was, I mean, that was my motto. I, I didn't really know what I was doing, really. <laughs> there was there was no technical plan to, like, blueprint out this 25-year this career. It was really just as honest as I could be deliver and then trying to find guys that were willing to
2: deliver it as strong and as an honest as it was intended every single night
1: you know that was the that was the quest and i'm just glad that i'm glad that i found the right guys because those guys they bring it every night
0: yeah and you, like you said going 25 years strong uh yeah and like, like you said uh playing, you know, jazz, you know, younger, growing up, you're not gonna meet girls, but what? how difficult was it to find, like, you know, your bandmates, I mean, especially Kurt, because you guys have been together, you know, over 25 years now, like, to find those guys, how difficult was that? You know, I think
1: with Kurt, it was, it was a unique process, because we, were, we met from a mutual friend that we both really, we both really liked a lot, and, and that mutual friend said, you've gotta meet this guy, Kurt, and she told him, you gotta meet this guy named Scotty, and when we met... We met as young guys that were, you know, both playing music, both on a path one way or the other. And then we started talking about music, and we both had really eclectic music. We didn't have the same taste, but we had really eclectic, whereas I would say, have you ever heard of these guys? And he'd say, no, have you ever heard of these guys? And and it turned into one of those things where he and I were teaching each other so much about things that when it came time to putting the band together, and when I asked actually asked him, I already trusted him as a musician because I knew where he was coming from. Does that make sense? Oh, no, absolutely. You know, and so I really, I really like, I already trusted him. So when we started putting guys together, we really were basing it off of, are you down with what we're into? Like, you know, not so much what we sound like right now because. I really experimented a lot early on, right. as far as what our songs were going to be. But, but you know, because I didn't want to just be a dance band, I didn't want to just be like this little, you know, dance band. And there was nobody doing anything like it. As a matter of fact, the only thing that I really had known about was in the late '80s, Joe Jackson released a record called
0: Jump and John. Yes, that I have that. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, all my friends love that record. Right, like we all the
1: punk rock, everybody, no matter who it was, loved that record.
3: If you don't respond to romance, Jack, you dead. When a chick is smiling at you, even though there's nothing sad, you stand there like a statue, Jack, you dead. You've been always kicking, but you stopped your toes when you upset kicks the bucket, just like old man moves. When
4: you get no kicks from loving, You blow your top and stand. It's a
3: fact that you ain't living. Jack, you dead.
1: You know, I wanted yeah. to be something. I wanted to do something new because I could hear these songs in my head. I just
0: didn't really know how to get them out. Yeah, and, it, and it's, to have a band like like yours and to have like original music mainly—that's I know your latest album, Louis Louis Louis—you know is a tribute, but to have you guys have your own original music is is, is pretty something. Yeah, I mean, I have I have
1: um, probably I have a couple of records. Already done. I already have the songs for it. It's just we were on a label, like we were on a record right. label. We were on, we were on Sony. We were on Savoy Records, and and when I looked at the deal, and the deals were the deal was was garbage. Hmm. And it's like I'm not going to give my originals. I'm not going to give them up. I'm not gonna give them up to it, such a bad deal. So I did cover records just to get it, to be to do my obligations. I mean mm-hmm. I could have just said, no, I'm not gonna do any more records for you, but that's just not the way I do business. Right. So I did the I did the best records that would interest me the most, which would be to do a Christmas record and to do Louie Louie Louie. I learned so much from making both those records. I gave them the absolute best records I could possibly give them. Mm-hmm. And in return, learning so much that now when I'm ready to make another record. You know, I'm 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 really not that interested in doing the covers anymore because I'm just going to go back to my old train of thought, and that's just do it myself. Go back to my old record label and just do it
0: do it our way, like the way we've always done it. You know, pre record labels. Right, because I mean, now you've built up you know a quarter of a century you know career that you have so much original music now that the covers you know it's people are covering your stuff now. <laughs>
1: yeah it's interesting it's interesting that when you play places and there'll be a band of a similar genre our road manager will go in and 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 just you know he'll just ask nicely can i see your set list yeah because sometimes it's there's two or three songs in the set list of of our stuff and and i just laugh i love it i'm like shit let them play it i don't care
0: right and you know i'm sorry no i was joking they'll probably play it better yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now, the, the band name, you know, it's it's a fabulous and you know, original name. How did um, you guys come up with it? Well,
1: I mean, I was I was digging in and, and discovering music as a kid, and, and when I when I was looking for authentic music, you know, when I was about 16 17 all I wanted was was authentic. You know, I'd go see these punk rock bands, and these guys would come off the stage, and they would lead everything, and right. I mean everything. And, I, and that just was so appealing to me. And then I would go see like a pop band or I'd go see some band playing concert. And it was just this big show. You know what I mean? It was just yes. a show. And I just, I, I could find nothing authentic about what they were doing. So all of a sudden I dug into the blues. I, I went to a concert at a, at the Santa Barbara blues society and it was Johnny Otis Okay. and Johnny Otis had lots of hits back in the fifties and forties and whatever. But this was like the mid eighties, late eighties. And, you know, his, his career was definitely in a different place. It was in a more, you know, lateral place. And he came out and played, and I just was blown away. I was so blown away with the musicians and how honest and how much they meant. Every single note, every player was playing was so, so there. It was so at the moment. And I'm like, I'm going to get into the blues, man. I want to just check this out. So I started listening to the blues and I come across this guy named Albert Collins Okay. and Albert Collins, he's called the Iceman. I, that was his nickname. And he was on alligator records and he was from Texas and he was this older dude. He was, he was a blues legend. And I just, his records were just ferocious to me. And I saw that he was playing in a bar in Santa Monica, which is about an hour away from where really? I live uh, up the coast. I mean, going, going um, south. And then, so I went to go see him play. I used my brother's fake ID and it was, it was one of the greatest nights of music I'd ever heard. I mean, this guy, he would had this really long guitar cable and he would walk on the tables to the audience and on top of the tables. And he would get like 10 feet out from the stage. He'd be ripping the guitar. Sweat would be flying on everybody. There was like, no, there wasn't one fake bone in this guy's body. And I was so taken with this guy. And at the end I was just, you know, I was on cloud nine and, I waited for him to go into his bus at the end of the show, and I'm not like the only person waiting there. And I had I grabbed a poster off the wall, and I asked him, you know, hey, could you sign my poster? And he said, Yeah, man, what's your name? And I said, Scotty. And he wrote, To Scotty, the big bad voodoo daddy, love Albert Collins. Nice. And I'm like, Oh, dude, that's that's great, <laughs> man. That's that's awesome. And so. I just filed it away. I didn't even think about it. I just filed it away. And uh, that, that idea, that night, that whole thing. And it made me like want to play blues, so I got more into blues. And flash forward, like, you know, I don't know, six, seven years later, I'm like, I'm going to start this band. I'm going to start this, this swing, swing, jazz, punk, whatever it is. I'm going to start it. So I, I get Kurt on board. And he says, what are you going to call it? And I swear that name just popped <laughs> in my head. And it was almost tongue-in-cheek, and I went Big Bad Buddha Daddy, and he got a big old smile on his face. He's like, dude, I'm in. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah that's So answer. that's how it happened, man. Yeah, if he would have said, I am not
0: going to do that, I mean, we could have been something completely different. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many like uh, posters or autographs you know Albert Collins signed that, and you were the only one who really took advantage of it with that name and ran with it.
1: Yeah, totally, and that's what I was thinking, too. And, and I told that story. And like 1998 on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, because he told me, he asked me, what, what had, well, how do I get the name? Right. And I told the story and I'm like, OK, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a, you know, a, a flux of people saying that they have the same lineup and nobody has come to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> nobody has come to me yet. So I don't know. It's it's that's, it's sort of a crazy. I don't know. It's kind of a crazy story. Yeah,
0: yeah totally. I, I wonder if it's just like it just comes to him when he's signing something and just.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I want to say that I was I was yelling Voodoo Daddy at him. I think I was yelling Voodoo Daddy. at right. him he was like this. He just reminded me of this thing like Voodoo Daddy or something. And and I was just out of my mind at this show. I mean, I'm not I'm not kidding you. He might have he might have just like taken what I was saying because I was just a crazy kid, you right. know. And I was so I was so into it. And so you know, I probably had like a bleached
0: a bleach shaved head. You know, I was you know, I was a punk I rock kid so. Right? Yeah. Not his normal audience. Right. Did he ever like uh, find he out? Away before I got it. Oh, yeah, got a,
1: he, he passed away just before I had a chance. But his his family contacted me and told and told me he'd be very proud.
0: Right. Oh, that's great. How how long were you guys playing like at the Derby before like, John Favreau found you guys?
1: John John found us right right away. Um, it was we started in ninety three. Right. We started
2: in uh, April of ninety three. Was our first really first official gig in a in a theater
1: in a club Uh, we played a backyard party in like march and we from that point on we just kept going and in that was 93 94 september of 94 we released our first record and we were playing a club out in called in pasadena called twin Toms. and john came out and saw us there and he introduced himself um it's just john and i met him and all was good nothing was thought of and then we started playing the Derby shortly after that in 95 and John would come out and he would dance there at the scene. Cause the, the Derby was a, starting to be a real scene and we were starting to pull in really good crowds there. And John and I started talking every Wednesday night and just became friends. Like-minded guys just became friends. Didn't know
2: anything about him, didn't know about Rudy, didn't know yeah. he was a writer, didn't know Cause he really wasn't too much of any of that yet. He's he was all in development, you know, he was
1: on his way up, he was a young guy. And um, he and I just were the same age, almost exactly. And we just uh, started hanging out and then he would come to the Derby and dance with my girlfriend all night because my girlfriend was the best dancer in the, in the the Derby. And so he'd dance with her and she'd kind of teach her how to, how to really, how to really get it going. because she was amazing. And, um, and then he gave me a script when he said, hey, man, I wrote this script, would you be interested? And I said, yes and the rest, really the rest is
2: history.
4: Hey Jack, I know what you're thinking This now's as good as any juice that drink It noun's is good as any juice I drink.
0: The movie blew up. I was, I guess it was a senior college when it came out. All friends watched it many times. Uh, Were you surprised the movie blew up the way it did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, um, when we went and
1: saw, because I mean, I went to, I I was, John and I were pretty good friends, so I was at a few of the scenes where he was shooting the stuff, you know, because it was not, it wasn't like making a big budget film. It was really like your friend was making an independent film. And he had talked to this other guy, who seemed really smart, which is Doug Lyman, yeah. into into doing this. But Doug was holding the camera. Doug, I mean, when I was there, Doug was doing everything. Right. And so it really felt like a student film. And I had done student films before, you know, just just being in proximity of where I live. That's just you know something you see more than than not. Or you've been, right. you know, you're, I've been in student films and I've done films. So it just seemed like that to me. And John. John then said, "You know, hey, listen, we're going to screen it at the two-dollar theater on Fairfax on Wednesday, and then afterwards we'll all we'll all go to the derby and hang out, and and, and then you know we'll meet up." And I remember we went at what, seven o'clock and went and saw it and screened it, and I watched the film, and <clears throat> I thought our scene in it was okay. I didn't okay. think it was monumental. I didn't, it was mon- didn't think it was monumental, but right. I thought it was pre- it was pretty cool. But I thought the movie was great, and I thought John was awesome. And Vince, I'd known Vince from John. And I know pretty much all the guys yeah. in the film, pretty much from John just being that they'd come around. Right. And I thought this, I thought to myself, my like, God, these guys were all amazing. Like this was that was a really good movie. I hope people can see this movie. And then the next morning, John, I'll never forget it, and it was on one of those phone machines that yeah. used to record with a tape deck. So right. I, I don't mm-hmm. have it anymore. But I remember John called me up and just said, Hey man, Miramax bought the film for blah 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 and uh, all of our lives is gonna change. And boy was he right.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's you know directing superhero movies. He's running you know Star Wars For TV sure. show now, yeah. and you know you guys yeah. are a tremendous He's career. a really,
1: he's a really, he's a really smart guy. I mean, people can say whatever they want about Hollywood or this, that, or the hmm. other, but but I mean, I didn't, I didn't really
2: have any doubts about John, and you know, especially his work ethic because he was he was always writing.
1: He was always working on something, and he was always you know he was always. Committed to something, and, and he's such a bright dude, man. That it was cool, man. I'm, I'm stoked to see his success because he was, he's one of those people that I believe was really, truly a talented, worthy guy.
0: Yeah, definitely. And now um, with him running, you know, the Star Wars Mandalorian show, uh, you gonna hit him up for a role in it? <laughs> nah.
1: <laughs> no. Nah, if he, if he thinks there's something good for me, man. Right. And it, it seems right. I'm into it, but man, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more. I'm more of a just, I like to, I like to fly low, man. Right. I like to fly, I like to fly low. I like to just, I like to cruise through and just do my thing. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I have a hard time being directed with something or or being told to do something a certain way. I'm much better if I am just left to my own devices to do my own thing. So if it happens naturally, I'm down.
0: Right. Yeah, I guess you can be the new Cantina band or something like
1: that. <laughs> somebody else still be that. Somebody else somebody else is going, "Man, you guys can be the new Cantina band." I'm like, "Oh god, could you imagine that be my my claim to fame, <laughs> swingers and the new and the new Cantina band."
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> So, yeah, so now you guys blew up. You're, you're playing everywhere. Um, but, like, the whole swing revival, I mean, there were other bands, too, like, was it Cherry Pop and Daddies? Um, yeah,
1: Cherry yeah, Pop and Daddies, yeah. uh, Squirin' Zippers, Yeah, Brand Setzer.
0: exactly. Were there any kind of, like, friendly rivalries between you guys? I think there
1: was, yeah. yeah I think I, I think there was rivalries between all of us. I don't think any of us
2: any of us particularly cared for the other. And <laughs> right. um, I think everybody was in, in rival
1: because it was such a unique, it was such a unique thing, you know, um, I know that, I know that I used to listen to the others records and think to myself, either. I really like these guys or now there's nothing here for me. Yeah.
2: And so, you know, there was just a few, um, I was, I was respectful for those who were
1: trying to write their own music. That, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, trying to do the cover stuff, you know, I was, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't as crazy about, I love Setzer's original music more
0: than I like his covers. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So your first album, one of my favorite songs is "Mr. Pinstripe Suit." Was there actually a real uh, Mr. Pinstripe
2: Suit? Now, friends, let me tell
4: you about this cat that I once met an export cigarette I don't believe I ever saw without a cocktail in his hand No one swings his hand to the big band voodoo band Now he strolls through the city like a big old alley I don't believe I have some song without a kitten on his head. And no one swings us on to the big band voodoo band. Hey, Mr. Big Hey, Mr. Heidi Heidi Ho. Well, I know you got the answers. We all wanna know what's doing to choose? Hey, Mr. Always on the go. Well, I know you got the answers. We all wanna know.
1: Scene. There was kind of a rockabilly scene thing out there, but everyone kept telling me about this one guy named Rod. You got to talk to Rod. Rod will get you in. So I, I call this guy up cold and tell him I'm in a band and this, that, and the other. And he gets me a gig uh, at Coney Island High, which is this kind of a, a punky place. And it was Marissa Tomei's okay. boyfriend. Ivan had a thing called Ivan's Drive-In, <laughs> and he let us play, man. He, he let us play, on his Thursday night or whatever and i remember never forget it was, it was really fun but Rod the guy that, that I called and he kind of set everything up with yes that was him man Mr. Pinstripe suit is him you know he I saw him like walking down the street we were driving to our gig and, and I saw him walking down the street and he was like he's wearing a Pinstripe suit and he was smoking an export cigarette he looked like a million bucks it looked like 1940 and this dude I mean and he just was he
0: wore it so well, man. I remember he was the real deal, man. Yeah. Huh. So then um, you guys play Super Bowl thirty-three, um, and that one was heartbreaking for me because I was a big Jets fan and they lost to the Broncos. in the championship game, so the Broncos went to play the Falcons. Uh, right. Yeah, you guys and I actually kind of come full circle playing with you know Stevie Wonder and then with Gloria on How how exciting was that to first play the Super Bowl and then to play with Stevie Wonder, someone who like you listened to growing up. Yeah, that was, that was a
1: dream, you know, and that was like a dream come true because, you know, when I was when I was in elementary school or when I was in junior high and middle school, um, I used to complain. I, I always had a big mouth and I, I would complain to my band director, like, you jazz chart terrible man, there's nothing here. There's nothing here for us kids. It's like all this like terrible music. And he'd get so mad at me because I had such a big mouth and I would expose, you know, the reality of this terrible music program. And he said, if you don't like my music... Why don't you write your own music, or why don't you make your own? And so I'm like, you know what? I will. And so I went in wrote a chart to me forever. And I wrote a chart to Sir Duke for okay. my jazz band. So two saxes, two trumpets, a trombone, piano, bass, guitar, drums. And we and I wrote it out. I did the whole thing, just like you're supposed to do. And I brought it in. And he's like, huh, all right. So that became a chart. And we, and we did it. We performed it. And so I actually did a chart of Sir Duke, uh, and then I get the call 20 years later saying, "Do you want to do Sir Duke with Stevie Wonder at the Super Bowl?" And so I'm like, "Oh yeah!" So I grab my I grabbed my, uh, my Sir Duke chart and I Stevie Wonder.
0: How much? I'm mean, sure, like all your shows, you feel a little bit of pressure. But how much, like pressure, was on you guys? You know, forming. You know, in front of obviously what eighty thousand and then you know billions watching the game.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't there. I don't. I don't think there was any pressure. that That was really. That was really exciting. I mean, because you, we were, We worked really hard because that that came at when '99 and we started in '93. Uh, but we were doing two hundred and seventy five to two hundred and eighty. Mm-hmm shows a year
2: from that point like we were just one of those bands that we just gigged man and and we could just always gig and we were always booked and and we just
1: always people were always showing up to see us play so it was just it was amazing to watch it get that big you know yeah. it was just it was just mind blowing to be honest with you it was just mind blowing
0: yeah and then that was kind of like the height of like that whole revival um yeah, you guys were still, you know, obviously still churning out albums and stuff like that, but was it, like, right. was it difficult to kind of adjust after that?
1: Well, I mean, it was, yeah, it was. And, it, and the difficulty was making your priority, what is your priority? You know what I mean? Because, right. like, if your priority is to be famous, good luck being famous in the swing band in the year 2000. It wasn't going to happen. Right. So we either had to reinvent our band as something else or live by the sword and die by the sword. And that was my approach is to live by the sword. And, and so my, my thinking is, okay, well it got that big and we did it. And that was pretty great. However, it's going to drop, right? But it's not going to drop back into this clubs and the small clubs, as long as we take care of what we are and who wants to come out and see what we're doing. So my attitude towards the whole thing was is to work as hard as I possibly could, which always feels natural to me and to give my absolute all every single time. And I believe that people that like that kind of music, that want to see that kind of performance, they'll find us. And they did. It took a few years. Like it went, it went from playing really, really, really big places to playing really big clubs. And, it, and that was like, can we deal with it? Yes, we can, because the alternative is to do something you don't want to do. Right. I think this is fine. So we we just really looked at this thing logistically and not with an ego, and said, I would rather be doing this, and I will be doing this whether it's at the Super Bowl or if it's at the Moose Lodge in 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 Wisconsin on a Tuesday night playing after the bingo game.
0: Right.
1: You know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing it anyway. So. It just—I'd rather be doing it at the highest level possible. So that's—that's that's really what we just tried to focus on. And, and when we made records, I just tried to make interesting records, and I tried to make records that I would want to hear Big Bad Doodaddy Daddy, Daddy make. And I had no expectation. I mean, I could have tried to write "Go Daddy L" in pinstripe suit and you mean the Bottle mm-hmm. makes three over and over and over again. How happy would I have been? I would not have been happy. Mm-hmm. We probably wouldn't have made it 25 years if that would have
0: been our case. Right. And like you mentioned, like you know, 25 years and. You know the same core guys, and it. Um, you guys have. It's been... all original members. Yeah, yeah it's it... all the it's
1: the original members are all everyone's all still there.
0: Right, and and there hasn't been any drama or anything like that throughout the years.
1: Not really, no. no. I mean, we just talk about it. You know, we yeah. just talk about it like with. You know, if something is, if something gets hectic or if something gets out of hand, you know, instead of accusing or acting out no. on like it, you know, if you just if you just talk to somebody about it and just say, listen. Is this, is this for real? Is this this behavior? Is this, like, is this who you are? Is this what you're, you want to do? Because this doesn't really work in a large you know, group of guys. And then that, that kind of attitude usually
0: kind of snaps you out. And, and, and that, it also would have weeded out you know, yeah. a p- personality that wouldn't have fit in. Right.
1: And the, the personalities that have stayed are the guys that that's their personality. They, they work well with that, which is great because we're like family.
0: Yeah, after, after all these years, you, you, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you mentioned early on about, you know, watching cartoons and stuff like that, and then you actually contribute to a few, um, you know, Scooby-Doo, obviously everyone loves Scooby-Doo, and then one, yeah. of my, yeah, one of my favorites with my son we used to watch when he was a little bit younger was Phineas and Ferb, and you were on the Christmas album. On, on, totally. On, yeah, <laughs> how, how, how much fun were you doing those times? Grab some holly and mistletoe, cause we're gonna go out
4: tonight. We're gonna bask in the... Electric glow over a million little colored lights We got a lot to do before the dawn So the venom of introspection You better put your mittens on Shake a jingle bell in my direction Sometimes I feel like a big snowman That's falling under a plow But it's not a long time of the world We're gonna bring it around somehow Christmas is started now Oh yeah Christmas is started now, oh, that's right, Christmas is started now, oh yeah. You better hang those stockings on the wall, this is no time for procrastination. We gotta trim that tree and deck the hall, that's gonna be a celebration. But just a few short hours till Santa comes, to so get ready for the big finale. We're gonna dance of sugar plums And shake it like a bowl full of jelly Sometimes I feel like a big stone man That's falling under a plow But tonight We're gonna bring it around somehow Christmas is starting now Oh yeah Christmas is starting now oh, That's right Christmas is starting now Oh yeah this has started now. Oh,
2: that's right.
4: Sometimes I feel like a big snowman that's falling under a plow. Is started now. Oh yeah, Christmas is started now. That's oh yeah. right, Christmas is started now. Oh yeah, Christmas is starting now. That's right, Christmas is starting now. Oh yeah, Christmas is started now.
1: Um, and that, that. that goes back getting yeah. I have a daughter my my daughter's my my first kid is, is 7 years older than my second and okay. so she was all about Rugrats yeah. so the Rugrats came on those are doing cartoons are amazing Scooby I always say Scooby Doo was for me
0: right <laughs>
1: um the Rugrats was for my daughter yeah. and Phineas and Ferb was for my son right <laughs> and the only way life could be any better is to be shredded On South Park and shredded (laughs) on Family Guy, right? Like I'd love to, I would have loved to have been shredded by one of those guys, and then also get to do something with SpongeBob.
0: Oh, no doubt. Yes. Uh, Other than that, I feel
1: pretty content.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, SpongeBob. I mean, I think I laugh just as hard as my son does when we watch that show. It's it's fantastic. I know. I know.
1: My my son, he's older now, and he's seventeen, and and uh, something went wrong with cable once or something here at the house or whatever yeah. with the internet and, and so all we had was just what was recorded okay oh, yeah. and he, he still had all these old SpongeBob's from way, way 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 long back and we watched them and we just man we laughed so hard it's so funny
0: yeah yeah my son's 14 and we, we still laugh and he'll he'll send me like memes of spongebob all the time we'll just <laughs> laugh it, 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 it's great it's it is great yeah but um you like you said, you guys tour all the time, and I checked your, you know, your your schedule, and you're playing actually my Amamada Because I went to school in Buffalo, because i um, I like oh, right to be, I like to be tortured in cold weather. So you're playing, yeah, right. yeah, yeah Buffalo in March. How that happen? <laughs> you know, it doesn't really when you when you've been touring for this
2: long it, at this yeah. at a certain stage, right. you've just seen you've seen it all. Yeah. so many
1: times that that it doesn't really it doesn't the exactly. weather doesn't really bug me right. at all. You know, I think one of the reasons too is I live in I live in Southern California, so I know that if I'm going to be out for you know ten or twelve days, and it's going to be really brutal, when I get home, it's going to be very nice. So right. I know that that
0: there's always you know kind of a little rainbow at the end of that. Yeah, I the um, of all the rain. Yeah, absolutely. I saw you guys just recently played Connecticut, and I unfortunately just missed that. Um, hopefully, you guys will come back soon.
1: Yeah, we will. We'll always we'll always come back. We're we're in We're in perpetual motion always.
0: Awesome. But, uh, Scotty, th- this was great. Uh, f- for a few minutes today, I really appreciate it. And just keep up the good work.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate
0: it. And a special thanks to Scotty Morris for joining me today. Check out their website, BBVD.com. They're on Twitter, at BBVD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at one 19 be sure to like the page of living my youth on facebook go to itunes check out all the past episodes we've had while you're there please rate and review the show don't have itunes not a problem the show is on soundcloud it's also on podbean and spotify on spotify just search "Reliving living my youth all one word go to tpublic.com for all your merchandise a new episode of "Reliving my youth comes in every wednesday and we'll see you next week
4: But it's time to hit the road Say goodbye so long, farewell, bye